The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. And as I like to remind you, each week I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. And my company, Taylor Hard Money Advisors, is also in partnership with Chen Lin, who publishes a newsletter called What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? It's a letter that's had an excellent track record. And uh, Chen has a very strong following. Uh, With regard to Chen's letter, though, you do need to put your name on a waiting list. uh, And at the beginning of each calendar quarter, uh, Chen will take a given number of new subscribers. But go to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com, to sign up for Chen's letter or to sign up for my letter, as well, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. I do want to thank each of you for listening to this show. And I would invite you to keep your questions and comments coming to questions4taylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, at gmail.com. You can also follow me on, on Twitter under the handle Jay Taylor Media. Um, I want to thank each of you for listening to this show, and I want to thank uh, our sponsors for making this show uh, economically viable. Our sponsors for today's show are Caden Resources, Ganey Capital Corp., and Uranium Energy Corp. Well, uh, I've titled today's show, The Implosion is Near, Signs of the Bubble's Last Days. And uh, David Stockman, Ms. Shedlack, and David Gerwitz is here with me right now. Um, we'll be talking to those three gentlemen the first hour of today's show. In the second hour, Daniel McAdams and David Jensen return as well. Uh, David Gerwitz, as I say, is with me now, and we're going to talk to him in just a couple of minutes uh, from now to, to uh, get Charles Nanner's latest uh, cycles uh, interpretation. Where are we at the various cycles for some of the key markets that we follow most notably? Of course, the general equity markets, the bond markets, the dollar, gold, silver, etc. At about a quarter past the hour, former Reagan budget guru and former Congressman David Stockman, as well as Ms. Shedlack, will be joining me to talk about uh, the article that David just wrote last week on his blog titled, The Implosion is Near, Signs of the Bubble's Last Days, end of quote. And uh, Mish is uh, also a prolific writer and astute thinker whose work is frequently displayed on David Stockman's corner, Contra Corner website. 
That's David Stockman's Contra Corner, um, which is, in my view, one of the most outstanding new websites to come along in quite a while. You can really get an awful lot of information, uh, a lot of articles that David writes and a lot of articles that are given to uh, that, uh, guest articles that David uh, posts there, uh, such as Ms. Shedlex, but many other uh, great contributors. And I would say if you're really interested in uh, getting a different perspective on what's really going on, uh, as opposed to relying on our mainstream media, I think uh, David's uh, Stockman's Contra Corner is uh, one of the best places you can go to. Uh, we do want to ask David and Mish uh, for the signs. What are the signs that the bubble is almost ready to pop? I mean, we've heard that for a long time. Uh, and, you know, we look at things from a, uh, from a fundamental point of view, and uh, Charles uh, Nanner and David uh, Gerwitz, who we're going to talk to in just a second, uh, look at things from a cycle, uh, from a cyclical point of view. Um, it doesn't really, they don't try to figure out why things are doing what they're doing. They just notice the uh, mathematical, uh, similar, the uh, patterns uh, of math, mathematical patterns in the cycles that occur in nature and the markets. And a very interesting perspective and a very successful one for Charles Nanner over the year, over the years. Uh, as I mentioned, the second hour of today's show, which airs exclusively at jtaylormedia.com, uh, Daniel McAdams uh, of the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity will be with me uh, to talk about an essay written by Ron Paul noting numerous facts about the down Malaysian airliner that our mainstream media is simply not telling you. And uh, also we will talk uh, briefly, I hope that Daniel will be able to comment briefly on Paul Craig Roberts' uh, views also uh, about that incident. And uh, if you read Paul Craig Roberts' article, you would think that uh, the media is really not giving us much truth at all, that uh, many of the things that we're hearing are almost totally false. Well, uh, anyway, very controversial for sure, but sometimes it's good to think outside the box and, uh, and to uh, keep an open mind about things. Uh, and as I say, rounding out today's show in the second hour, David Jensen, uh, who is a, a mining executive and uh, engineer. Uh, David comes on with us almost every week to help us tie together geopolitics and the markets, in particular uh, the precious metals markets, how they uh, fit in with what's going on geopolitically. We do have an awful lot of ground to cover, so let's get right to uh, David Gerwitz, who's with me. Welcome, David. Hey, thank you, Jay. I noticed you know, we're into patterns. You've got a lot of Davids today, David Gerwitz, David Stockton, David Jensen. That's correct, and so we have to we have to say David. We have to use the last names, I guess. Mister, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> well, anyway, um, you know what do you, what do you say to those who claim? And here here's something I hear very often, David. I hear very often uh, people that sort of poo poo technical analysis because they say, "How can you rely on technical analysis? The markets are so rigged." Uh, you know, the, starting with with Federal Reserve policies of, of printing huge amounts of money, uh, altering the markets as a result of that, how do you, you know, whereas you and Charles Nanner really look at markets almost exclusively from, not from a fundamental point of view, but not, and not just cycles, I might add, but a lot of different technical analyses, you pull them all together. Uh, wh- what do you say to people that say, no use looking at technical analysis because, uh, the markets are rigged, and you don't know what these guys are going to do next. Well, that's a great question. Um, if you go to the site, and I, as we, you know, thank God I've been on your show quite a bit, and people we get from your show are quite thinking and listening, so we appreciate it. Go to charlesnitter.com and sign up for a free month of watching the research, which covers stocks, bonds, commodities, and currencies, and economic indicators, all, best on, all based on cycles, technicals, targets, etc. 
Charles called the Dow from 10.8 to 14.5, and it went to 14.2. And all the stuff that happened that Greenspan did back then, if you remember that name, didn't mm-hmm. matter. So when people say technical doesn't work because there's intervention, there's always intervention. There's never mm-hmm. not intervention. That's the whole Keynesian idea. A politician has to say, I have power to do something. I'm going to do something. We believe, and this is, I say we, Charles came up with it. I think the man's a genius, and I've had the good fortune to work with him for over a decade, and he did this at Goldman Sachs for many years. Patterns in the past repeat when you combine quite a few sets of patterns, which we do, when they all line up. That's what's determining the news, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. So since we've made so many calls, and I'll go through all your categories. We know we have limited time. I'll go through the stocks, bonds, commodities, and currencies quickly just to give you an sure. idea. Since these calls have turned out right, not all of them, nobody's perfect. But guys, look, you get the research, so I don't have to yeah. sell you. Oh, I do, and it's, it's remarkable. I'm telling my listeners that uh, it, is, it is very good. And you know, I have, uh, when I have time to be next to my computer and to trade, I use them and have used them effectively. Uh, but I, but I'd like to ask you first of all, starting with the equity markets. Now sure. we also Charles does he has short term cycles and then longer term cycles, right. cycles within cycles. Right. So when he writes his uh, his daily missive, or it's not daily, it's actually Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Correct. Uh, we get uh, art, we get stuff from Charles. Uh, when he writes those things, is he he's writing basically for the most part? He's writing for short short term trading cycles, is he not? Short and medium. Mm-hmm. which is daily and weekly. Again, daily cycles are simply cycles based on daily data, weekly is based on weekly data, monthly is based on monthly. Let me talk about gold first. Sure. So, <laughs> you have some interest in that. Well, yeah, um, I mean, I think more than anything else. I know. That's why, so gold yeah. cycles, he called the level, I keep saying levels and cycles, cycles only give direction, levels or mm-hmm. levels. He called the top at 1900 two years ago. As one of my mm-hmm. clients says, you give him a national award for this. Said it'd be a lot of bounces till it came all the way down, which is where we are. This quarter is the long-term bottom, which means July 1 to September 30th is the long-term bottom. Having said that, we've had two bounces. We went from 12 to 13, if you remember, not too long ago. And then we just went through another bounce where, as you saw, we went long Newmont and PAS, P-A-A-S, and it was each a 10 to 15% gain. So these are short-term moves within a longer-term perspective, meaning we think we're near a top soon to gold. As a matter of fact, what we wrote on Monday is an example your listeners can get of what what it says. Um, Based on daily cycles, we're getting closer to a cycle top as long as there's no closes Below 1296 gold, August contract, and silver 20.40 September. There's no sell signal. We, we, we expect to see another test of the recent highs. So, again, those are two correct trades within a longer-term perspective. So if someone's sitting long-term, they're crying because they're not going to have the energy to go back in again with other money to gold. Mm-hmm. It's hard for people. We, we're very much into the psychological effect of trading, meaning avoid feeling depressed. Yeah. <laughs> you can, because we don't manage money, so we have a clear head about what to tell people. I don't want to, sure. we just want to say, do this, don't do that. But avoid being in a bad state makes it easier to think. And so if you have clear head, okay, we, we, this, this was a good trade, gold and silver. Longer term, a lot of people stayed in after a 10-year run-up. 
Mm-hmm. So we're getting near a bottom. It's not quick enough for those people who are down, as you know. But And you look at the whole industry has been down because less money's gone into the whole industry the last few years. But I think they're going to have its day back in the sun. It's going to go back to its highs and then some. So that's good news for gold and silver. So we're looking at uh, basically we should see we should have seen the bottom the longer term bottom. This is this a quarter. quarterly bottom we're talking about now, or this a longer quarter. term than that even, Charles? No, longer term. This or, quarter. Or David, is I mean. the, this is the quarter for the bottoming, but it's a bottoming process. Could bottom September thirtieth. Right. So we could be part. looking at a bottom from. In other words, this should be the bottom from that from that top. Yeah, the 2011 top. September we've hit the bottom. We could we could have another move down that's substantial in the next month and a half or two months. Right before the end of September. Yeah, but this mm-hmm. is according to us the long term bottom. Okay, and fair enough. All right, top, we might get it right with the bottom. So that's gold and silver, crude and that gas. We we we've you know we just said two three weeks ago crude went down even though there were wars. Okay, and then it just went yeah. on a buy signal last week. Right. So crude, we think, could go back up into the 122 area, which interesting, six years ago, remember, the beginning yeah. of 2009, crude was in the 40s or something, right. after it had come down 100 points that he called, and everyone was hoping crude would go up because it would indicate economic activity was starting up again. Now, if it goes up, oh no, there's war. So yeah. again, it depends, the view of things changes over time, that's why cycles work, according to us. So right, but again, you're not looking at wars and saying, I've got to go out and buy gold. You're looking at no, the cycles. we look at cycles and tell you when, like, when things are going to move. As a matter of fact, as you and I have discussed, there were war cycles. Charles called yeah. three years ago, and look where we have now. He said three years ago, war cycles were bottoming. There are and now, now we're heading 11 out. major yeah. wars either going or potential talked about or not people don't realize china internally is a bit of a mess we, everyone mm-hmm. knows what's going on in the mid-east and the ukraine they don't really know about africa i mean they mm-hmm. see girls kidnapped that's one thing but there's a lot of stuff going on all mm-hmm. over the place and there's tension according to the war cycles it's going to mm-hmm. increase over the next several years unfortunately yeah unfortunately all right yeah. well we just have a couple of minutes left sure. talk to us about the, the equity stock, markets and the vix we called, well, I'm going to talk about stocks and the VIX together. VIX, of course, volatility index. Again, I want to remind your people, listeners, right into the site, Charles Nenner Research, say to listen to David and Jay speak, the David G as opposed to the David S and the <laughs> David uh, Jensen, and uh, we'll give them a free uh, month of watching this. So stocks are in a topping process. And while we think there'll be a down move and a come back up again, we are at a very long-term top around now in the next quarter or so and next five years are down not straight down but there'll be down moves a little up down moves up and everyone will think it'll be over and we think towards the end of the decade it's going to really be cut in half then the 20s look really strong so that's a very long-term view very long-term so we're we're heading into what might be called a secular bear market in in stocks well i guess you could call it that i don't know what those terms mean as you know cyclical or anyway long-term long-term cycles then the vix is short-term bottomed and up for for the next few weeks so we think there'll be some type of a down move here but not longer term yet so that's the stock now having said that corn stocks and food stocks we think are going to go up so that's why we said by long-term calls on corn this week Mm -hmm. so we think you know add is a very good thing i kid around sometimes that's that's how we see that you know you look at someone says here's a hundred grand is a million bucks what do you do corn 
Bonds should be good to go until August. Bond prices, not, you know, because bonds have been in a bull market for 30 years. We think they're going to be in a bear market for 30 years. So both basically what we're saying, stocks and bonds are going to be in a bear market, which is something we haven't seen in a while. It's not going to be so pleasant. Well, a bear market for sure. I mean, we have had a 30-year bull market in bonds that has just been unbelievable. Right. uh, Right. A lot of fortunes have been made in the bond market. Well, so you I have lost to wonder. because yeah. no one thought this would continue. We were begging people to buy oh. the 10-year at 4% yeah. not no, too long uh, ago. Well, it is, uh, it is fascinating work, and uh, I really do enjoy receiving uh, my uh, four times a week uh, right. fix Sunday from Charles Nanner. Of everything. Uh, it, it, I'm sorry, Dave? Sunday we send charts of things that are interesting to Charles. Right, and I'll and give you an example. Of what we did last Sunday, I'll quickly zip through it. I know you got a lot to cover. I'll just yeah, read. we're we're going to have to go, but give give us real quick. Australia, next Rio Tinto, BHP Billiton last week, Australian Bank, the Euro Aussie Gold Corp, Silver Wheaton, okay, um, mm-hmm. Chevron, Canadian National, Anadarko. We did last week. We did Schlumberger, um, Tetra Nitrogen. Um, Technology sector, IBM. I'm not going to say what we said. Yeah. People go right in and get it. Consumer discretionary. Coffee, which we've called really great. Sell signal continues. We've seen 160 tradable low by October. So buy coffee right. in October, not just Starbucks. Well, it's it's interesting research. It's, it really is. And, uh, of course, not just the gold markets, lots of other places. And uh, cycles, you know, there are powerful influences in markets that none of us can really figure out. Of course, that doesn't stop the Federal Reserve from trying to figure out what interest rates should be and how much money we should have in the economy. Those guys think they know it all, uh, David. So uh, I think they're leading us into an awful lot of trouble. We're going to be uh, talking in just a moment uh, to David Stockman and Miss Shedlack. Hopefully, will be joining us as well. Right. David, I want to thank you very much for for joining me again, and we'll look forward to do it again. We we have to have you on more often because uh, I think yeah, I'm, I'm available the, for you, Jay. You're always a pleasure and well, very bright. And well, Char- Charles' work is always uh, I found to be very profitable and uh, uh, and also very interesting. So thank you very much, David, for being with us. Look forward to talking to you again in the near future. Thank you, Jay, and uh, best to your wife and your whole crew. Thank you very much. Well, folks, don't go away because coming up next, David Stockman and Ms. Shedlack. Uh, I want to focus on a recent article that David Stockman wrote called The Implosion is Near, Signs of the Bubble's Last Days. We want to ask him and, and get Mish's ideas as well about why that might be the case. So don't go away. We'll be right back with David Stockman and Ms. Shedlack. You'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Caden Resources is an advanced gold mining exploration company with two exceptional gold projects in Mexico. The company's flagship El Barqueño project represents the most valuable opportunity that an exploration company can have, which is the continuous discovery of high-grade gold from surface in arguably the best mining jurisdiction in Mexico. The company's second project, Morelos Sur, has one of the most talked-about land positions in the heart of Mexico's largest producing gold belt. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. 
and you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me a former budget director under Ronald Reagan and former Michigan Congressman David Stockman and also Ms. Shedlack, uh, more commonly, well, Michael Shedlack, more commonly known on the Internet as Mish Shedlock. Both men have been on this show before and both are very well known, so I'm not going to take the time to read their bios, which are, though, posted at The Voice America on my website at The Voice America website business channel. Um, however, I would be remiss if I did not strongly suggest to all my listeners that you begin following the work of both of these gentlemen if you don't already do so. Uh, David Stockman, Ms. Shedlack. David's uh, website is uh, the, uh, it's davidstockmanscontracorner.com and Ms. Shedlack's website is globaleconomicanalysis.blogspot.com and both men contribute their uh, very valuable insights they write their their pieces there, but they also have a lot of guest writers. I find both of those websites very, very interesting and important. So welcome, David, and welcome, Mish, to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Very happy to be with you. Hey, Thank uh, you. Jay, a pleasure to be back on, and it's certainly a pleasure to be on with uh, Dave Stockman, whose work I've admired for some time. Well, and I think he has picked up a lot of your work, too, Mish, uh, which is why I thought about having you on together with David. Uh, certainly, uh, one of the things I would say about about Mish is that he is one of the most passionate people I've ever met. Uh, I've been on panel discussions with Mish before, and I think uh, I sort of felt like maybe Mish was the only one on the uh, on the panel because he feels so strongly about things. Sometimes, as we were getting ready to come on the show, I had to shout to Mish, be quiet, hold your firepower, we're going to ask you in a minute to come on and, and talk about this stuff because when he gets going, you can't stop him. So it's it's good to have Mish. Uh, it's good to have both of you with me again. You know, um, David, this show, uh, Turning Hard Times into Good Times, was launched back in March of 2009, almost at the bottom of the financial market crisis. Uh, the timing, so the timing couldn't have been better because we're free market orientated, uh, and a lot of people were starting to say, "Yeah, maybe." Maybe the Fed and maybe the powers on high don't have all the answers. And so there was a reception to this show. There was a, immediately this show became the top show on the Voice America Business Channel. The numbers grew almost dramatic, grew dramatically out of the gate. Since that time, though, the stock market has continuously made new highs. Things seem to be pretty good again. And our numbers have declined uh, to the point where they're less than half of where they were at the peak. Uh, so it seems as though uh, Wall Street, at least, or a lot of people that were listening to this show, sort of now, once again, have faith in the Ph.D. standard, as James Grant calls it. Um, can you share with our listeners why you think an implosion in our markets is near and why we are going to see uh, the end of bubble economics sometime soon? Well, you know, I think this is uh, totally artificial. Uh, it uh, The policy of the Fed and the other central banks of the world 
defy any traditional views of sound money and prudent management uh, of the financial system. Uh, at the time you started your show, as you've indicated, the balance sheet of the Fed was about $900 billion. It's $4.5 trillion today. Oh. Uh, therefore, you know, it's up 5x in a very short period of time. Liquidity is just poured into the financial markets. They've really been ruined and destroyed. There's no real honest price discovery left. The bond market has been massively levitated and overvalued by the huge uh, QE uh, bond buying of the Fed and other central banks. Uh, the, the put that started with Greenspan and continued through Bernanke and Yellen today is totally uh, undermined uh, the honesty and the reliability and the stability of the stock market. In a post that I did recently, I just put a picture of the S&P 500 from the very day that you began your show, coincidentally, yeah. in the present. And if you look at that chart, you can see this isn't natural. This is a market that's habituated to buying on the dips because they're absolutely confident that the Fed will not allow the market to drop by more than 5 or 7 or 9%. And as you move up the curve over the last five years to the stratospheric levels that we're at today, you can see that the dips are getting shallower and shallower. The market is getting more and more uh, bold in terms of its uh, utter, you know, uh, uh, willingness to ignore uh, the, the risks that are building. And so I think here we are at the edge of the third and greatest bubble of this century. After dot-com, we learn nothing. After the housing credit uh, bubble and massive catastrophe that resulted, the Fed learned nothing, and now they have us extended out on the very edge of another uh, dangerous bubble again. And uh, so here we are uh, five years later uh, waiting for the next shoe to fall. But they've uh, generated what, they, what Keynes like to call animal spirits. And so, you know, people were licking their wounds back in 2009. And they've, uh, you know, the experience has been, the most recent experience has been, go long the stock market. You've got nothing to lose. What will trigger, what will cause this, this thing to crash? What will cause it to come down? Uh, I would like uh, to get, I mean, I guess it's hard to say what will cause it. But do you have any sense of what what some of the um, tipping points might be or, or the catalysts might be that cause this thing to go in reverse, David, and then I'd like to get Mish's opinion on that as well. Well, it's hard to predict, but there will be a catalyst or a black swan. No one saw Lehman coming. Uh, you know, the uh, urban legend now is that the whole disaster we had was due to Lehman, and if they'd only bailed it out, everything would have been okay. That's nonsense. Right. The economy was tipping on the edge, and that was the catalyst. So, who knows what it will be this time, whether it's the crisis in the Ukraine or something that comes out of the blue. I can't tell you, but when you have the market trading at nearly 20 times honest trailing earnings, when you have uh, the more um, uh, speculative stocks like the Russell 2000 at 80 or 85 times, when you have the market going up in the face of an economy that's uh, struggling at best or maybe uh, sinking uh, into another uh, decline. Uh, when you have the headwinds all over the world that we see today, the House of Cards in China, uh, the uh, old age colony in Japan, the welfare state uh, uh, crisis uh, that is, uh, you know, holding down the European economies, why would you think that the market ought to be valued at the very top of historic ranges when mm -hmm. actually the capitalization rate, given all the problems in the world, 
ought to be lower than the historic norm, not higher. So I say, you know, we're at the edge of a disaster waiting to happen. It will not take much to kick it over, uh, and so therefore it could happen at any time. Right. Mish, what are your thoughts on this? What, what might be a catalyst? Do you have any ideas? Well, let, let's back up to, to the first set of uh, questions you asked, um, mm-hmm. uh, David. Uh, let me point out, that, and I'm sure David would agree, that it's not just the U.S. doing this. Uh, it's, it's China, it's Japan, it's uh, third world economies in general. All the central banks worldwide, in Canada, Great Britain, have uh, stepped on the gas in response to any sort of crisis. In fact, the only thing they've learned how to do, because it appears to be working, when it's not really working, you know, just as the Fed did with the housing bubble in 2000, Greenspan stepped on the gas to bail out the banks, who were then uh, under serious threat from uh, bad loans to uh, South America, and also from the dot-com bust, we stepped on the gas, created a housing bubble, and the Greenspan mentality is, well, uh, we'll deal with the aftermath. Well, here, the, the aftermath has just been bigger bubble after bigger bubble, and arguably we're back in a bigger bubble now than the housing bubble that preceded it, and the only reason why we don't see it now is because it hasn't popped yet. The, uh, but make no mistake, it's global money supply is expanding at a far faster rate in China. And as for what the catalyst is going to be, I suspect it's going to come from Asia, from China or Japan, as opposed to something here in the United States. But bear in mind, there doesn't have to be a catalyst at all. The, the housing bubble in the United States ended out of the blue. People one night were camping out overnight, waiting in line for the right to buy a Florida condo. They're entering lotteries for the right to buy a Florida condo. Two weeks later, no catalyst. The lines vanished. No one wanted those condos. Mm-hmm. So no. simple exhaustion can, be, can do this. But we also might have a trigger, like David said. It, yeah. it might be the crisis in Ukraine. And speaking of which, uh, 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 Germany and France are both going to be impacted severely uh, uh, if more sanctions are loaded up on, uh, on Russia, as President Obama wants to do. So the United States might precipitate this crisis uh, 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 the, the the next downturn by by pressuring all of Europe for more sanctions on Russia here. Yeah, it really is interesting to note the um, uh, the division, the divisiveness of this whole issue, and the uh, the incident that took place recently, the aircraft going down. Um, well, I don't know that we want to open that discussion today because we'll get completely off of economics. We start. We talked to Daniel McAdams of the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity. He'll be on this show in the second hour, and we talked to him uh, quite extensively about that subject, and uh, as well as uh, some of the remarks that his uh, former boss, his current boss, Ron Paul, had to say about the questions that our media is not asking concerning the Ukraine. Also, uh, some remarks from Dr. Paul Craig Roberts on that issue as well. So I would, I would love to get into that, Mish. I would love to hear what you 
have to say about it. Uh, I think, though, I'd like to stick with economics, but I do believe that your point is well taken, that that, that could very well be a trigger. We notice uh, um, already, from what I'm reading, a lot of trade has been deterred from the Ukraine and, uh, you know, agricultural goods that are being shipped out of there and so forth. So it's as, uh, you know, the, the war cycles, as uh, Charles Nanner was talking about before you two gentlemen came on, uh, are definitely in a rising pattern right now, unfortunately. And so maybe that's what would uh, what could really trigger things in the in a very nasty direction. Well, David, the use of the word implosion in your article uh, it sort of implies, in my mind at least, that the an image of a severe economic contraction, uh, and with that, very often comes falling prices. Do you? We certainly had that immediately after Lehman Brothers in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. We actually started to see what I would say was deflation across the boards almost, but it, they uh, were caught the falling knife before it got out of hand and, uh, and started to reflate again. But do you see, uh, David and Mish as well, after David, perhaps Mish, you could opine on this, uh, do you see the possibility of an implosion, meaning uh, that we're heading into some sort of a deflationary environment? Yes, you know, I use the word implosion to talk about financial markets, and I believe all risk asset markets are at risk and that at some point uh, when the markets finally wake up and lose confidence in the Fed and when their ability to continue to inject confidence and liquidity uh, finally reaches its limits, then we will have a major downrating of valuations across the board from the S&P 500 uh, to the bond, uh, treasury bond, a uh, 10-year bond, and everything that's priced off from that, including the insanely low yields that you have on high-risk junk bonds today. Now, uh, I think that has economic ramifications, which uh, would be the second point. We have had this massive global monetary expansion, as Mish was mentioning before, and I uh, uh, second that uh, heartily. In fact, the numbers are startling. The uh, combined central bank footings or balance sheets of the major central banks uh, in 206, 207, we're about $5 trillion. They're $15 trillion today. So we have had a massive tripling of the balance sheet of the major central banks of the world. All of that has gone into distorting financial markets, buying heavily uh, government debt, which therefore has been inflated by central bank buying, injecting liquidity into all financial markets, not just Wall Street, uh, which has kept uh, the risk asset um, uh, boom uh, and uh, bubble expanding. But one consequence of that was a massive uh, malinvestment in production capacity around the world, but especially China. In other words, today China is drowning in excess industrial capacity from steel to cement to aluminum uh, to uh, you know, uh, solar uh, panels and everything else. That caused an enormous, the huge demand from China for raw materials caused an enormous uh, overinvestment in mining capacity uh, from bauxite uh, to iron ore uh, and also a massive ex- uh, overinvestment in uh, distribution and shipping uh, capacity. Uh, and so we have the world today stocked up with 10 or 15 years of investment ahead of time in basic uh, production and distribution capacity. 
And when the financial bubble finally pops and uh, the continued expansion of debt uh, uh, ends, then we're going to be stuck with this massive overcapacity, which will cause prices to fall. So I think what we've had from this massive central bank experiment is a setup for a major deflation in the industrial and commodity and goods markets of the world for many years uh, to come as soon as uh, we reach the inflection point in the leading edge of this financial bubble. Mish, I'm assuming that you are very much in agreement with that with that um, view. And uh, but what do you say to the Peter Schiffs of this world that are saying, "Well, we're printing all this money; we're going to have <clears throat> hyperinflation." Well, I, I think uh, David Stockman just explained why we're not going to have it. Yeah. The, the uh, uh, adding to what he said, actually, I have I have one slight disagreement with him, uh, uh, or perhaps it's just a timing disagreement as opposed to uh, an actual disagreement, and that is in regards to U.S. Treasuries here. The uh, certainly, I think we're going to see a, a a credit event. I think David and I would both agree on that. And uh, if that credit event uh, triggers in Asia first or Europe first, and I actually think it's it's European government bonds that are uh, 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 overpriced here because of various scenarios. Spain may break away, Greece may break may break away still. Uh, uh, Germany is not out of the woods here yet. I think their economy is slowing rapidly. So I think we're going to see a repricing of government bonds, but that repricing of government bonds is going to start uh, uh, in Europe first or uh, perhaps Japan first, and the U.S. will be last on the list. No doubt the, the Fed has distorted things wildly here in the United States, but that does not preclude if there's a genuine slowing of the economy, as David sees, as I see, a, a yet one more rush into uh, uh, U.S. government bonds in a, another you know, flight to panic. And we're not going to see that same kind of rush because of various breakup scenarios in Europe and, and certainly Japan with interest rates on the 10-year, uh, uh, under 1%. There's nowhere to go there either. And uh, Japan's in a, in a world of hurt if, if rates start rising there. So, yeah, currency crisis is coming. Uh, uh, I think U.S. government bonds, for the time being, are safe. But has the Fed created a bubble in junk bonds and in assets in general? Yes. And in terms of the overall deflationary uh, 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 setup, uh, um, once this expansion stops, we are going to see a write-up in all, write-off of all sorts of malinvestments, and and junk bonds and covenant light bonds. Those things are going to get hit. All of these things are part of what anyone should realistically, reasonably call a deflation scenario, where we're going to have falling asset prices, probably falling prices. On, on consumer goods, perhaps not that much, but certainly on the value of credit on the books of banks, that's coming again, on the value of credits of, of junk bonds that uh, institutions are holding, that investors are holding, boom. That's all part of what I call deflation. To 
depends on your definition of it. If you stick with the common term definition of 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 massive price reduction, and you and you ignore, especially if you ignore ignore as everyone does, home prices. Well, maybe we just see as we did in in 2008, early 2009, uh, uh, small reductions in prices, but the big reduction is going to be in the mark-to-market value of credit on the books of banks. So, Mish, that your scenario there, though, uh, expects that the uh, that the problems would occur first in Asia or Europe, uh, and um, that would cause a flight to safety in the in the U.S. dollar and and gold too, possibly. Um, um, yes, uh, I'm, I'm a strong advocate of gold here. Um, the uh, we'll see. You know, just ignoring all of the. Uh, uh, conspiracy theories about the Fed doing this or that to gold. I, I don't buy those. Uh, uh, there's certainly manipulations. I believe there's manipulations in both ways. Uh, uh, I don't think the Fed is directly manipulating gold. I think others are, but n- not necessarily all in one direction. But e- e- yes, uh, uh, and if you go back and historically look, Gold has has done very well in two times, in terms in times of of credit stress, uh, uh, stagflation, or or deflation. Gold has actually done well. Gold has gold does poorest in times of normal disinflation, and that's what we've seen now. Falling rates of of inflation, where everyone thinks, hmm, we don't need any, we 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 don't need any. Protection. We don't need any credit protection. You know, the Fed has our backs. It's a strong belief, which actually is one of the biggest bubbles out there, is the belief that the Fed can do no wrong, the central banks can do no, can do no wrong. Look, no. If, if, if central banks could have, could have stopped the crisis in, 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 in 2008, they would have, and they didn't. So uh, uh, why everyone believes that they now can prevent the next crisis well, that, that's literally beyond, beyond me. That's the question. I think we've all been trained to believe that and trained not to think and to accept uh, what we've been taught in our Economics 101 uh, classes that, uh, that we have people or the Ph.D. standard is superior to the gold standard in free markets. In any event, we do have to take a commercial break. When we come back for a few minutes uh, afterwards, I want to ask David a little bit uh, more about the interest rates and what he thinks would cause interest rates to start spiking up, because I think that is a real key possibility to a, uh, uh, to a catalyst that could really turn the markets on their, uh, in the other direction. So uh, don't go away. We'll be right back with, uh, with, uh, with both gentlemen as soon as we come back from the break. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Caden Resources is an advanced gold mining exploration company with two exceptional gold projects in Mexico. The company's flagship El Barqueño project represents the most valuable opportunity that an exploration company can have, which is the continuous discovery of high-grade gold from surface in arguably the best mining jurisdiction in Mexico. The company's second project, Morelos Sur, has one of the most talked-about land positions in the heart of Mexico's largest producing gold belt. 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. I'm really pleased to have back with me for the next 10 minutes or so, David Stockman and Ms. Shedlack. David, uh, in your recent article, July 16th, uh, you, uh, you stated, uh, indeed, a world in a world where interest rates and profit rate normalization must inevitably come to an end, um, the capitalization rate for current earnings should be well below normal not extended into the nosebleed section of historical results. Why do you think that interest rates necessarily have to be normalized, that they have to come to an end? I mean, we're taught, we're, we're taught that, you know, Bill Gross has talked about a new normal. Uh, certainly, Paul Krugman has suggested that uh, there's no reason to panic, that debt's not a problem. We can continue to uh, increase debt. And I like to say that in a fiat currency, debt is the raw material from which money is manufactured. And as I look at all the, as I look at all the charts, not just government debt, but total debt. It's almost growing exponentially, and uh, and GDP, if it's growing at all, is growing in a very slow, linear fashion. I don't get why um, you know why Krugman and others think that we can keep going on forever, but yet we've seen a thirty-year bond bull market. We've seen interest rates continuing to fall. We've seen a creation of trillions of dollars and no interest rate rise. So why do interest rates have to normalize, and might we not be at a new normal, as Bill Gross suggests, uh, David? Well, uh, I think, first of all, you can't look at interest rates in terms of the traditional model of economics. Uh, you know, how strong is the economy? How big is the demand for real credit uh, to invest either in the consumer sector or business uh, uh, productive uh, assets and so forth? You have to realize that for decades now we've been in a financial bubble that's been driven by uh, credit expansion, by debt, that's been enabled by the policies of the central banks. So the reason the stock market is where it is today, the reason junk bonds are trading at the absurdly high values they are today, is that almost all of this has been fueled by uh, leveraged buying. In other words, we've uh, margined uh, almost all of these uh, inflated financial assets with more debt, and then those higher values beget even more borrowing and more margining. And so the reason that interest rates uh, are going to rise is that the value of these uh, way... um, you know, overextended uh, uh, fixed income markets, bond markets, both government and uh, corporate and especially high yield, uh, are going to fall as debt, uh, as the markets go into a panic after the catalyst event, 
and sell in order to pay back, uh, you know, their overnight loans and the repo mm-hmm. on which all of this is owned. I've said over and over, no one really owns the government bond anymore. They all rent it by the hour and by the day on mm-hmm. leverage. And mm-hmm. so uh, when uh, the panic comes, the break in the market comes, uh, there will be no bid uh, down below. Uh, prices of uh, debt securities will fall drastically, and the implied yields will rise. That is a different economic model. That's a different circumstance than what people might have uh, learned about 45 years ago uh, uh, prior to the time that we went on to the uh, so-called Ph.D. standard, as you call it, in 1971, mm-hmm. and the world went into uh, this uh, sequence of serial bubbles. So uh, that, that's why when I say that I think the implosion is coming, it's going to happen in the financial asset markets. That will drive uh, yields higher. Higher yields will fuel more selling. More selling uh, will uh, fuel a vicious uh, circle, and that's the danger that we face today. But we certainly faced that in 2008, 2009, and they were able to grab, grab a hold of it and get a stop, put a stop to it. Are you saying at some point it will be so big that, uh, that governments can't even do anything about I it? I think that's exactly right. Uh, each bubble has become more fantastic than the prior one, um, and I'm sure that they're going to invent some new emergency programs uh, with all kinds of alphabet soup. Uh, of descriptions uh, to uh, try to uh, stabilize or put a bottom in the market when the break comes, and maybe that'll work for a while, but I doubt whether uh, it's going to be as effective as it was after March 9, uh, 2009, because what Bernanke and the Fed did and the other central banks did uh, at that point was totally novel. Uh, This whole idea of QE, this massive, rampant expansion of central bank balance sheets was not even conceivable 10 years earlier. So uh, they stumbled upon that expedient once. Uh, It was able to, uh, you know, uh, revitalize the animal spirits, but they're really not animal spirits. It's more like trained seals. (laughs) They're buying uh, what the Fed is telling them uh, it's supporting. Uh, but that uh, I don't know that that trick can be repeated indefinitely. In fact, if the Fed were to go into another spree of massive uh, balance sheet expansion, in effect reversing the taper big time in the midst of a crisis, I think it could only add to the panic uh, because by then markets uh, will have lost uh, all, all confidence in the central banks. We're really talking about a con artistry and a con system in a way to keep people conned and believing in the uh, in the tooth fairy in the um, uh, in this fiat money system. And Alan Greenspan understood very well when he wrote an article in 1966 called "Golden Economic Freedom" that gold had to be uh, had to be kept out of the hearts and minds of the people or else they would demand gold and get rid of the paper money, and the socialist state would not be able to, uh, the war state, the socialist state, whatever you want to call it, uh, that we have now, would not be able to survive. So 
uh, I know, Mish, you opined a while ago that you don't think that the gold markets are rigged, that there's any manipulation of the gold uh, markets. No, yeah, the gold I, markets are not rigged in one direction. That's what I said. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they're not rigged by the Fed. I also said that. They're, okay. uh, the gold markets are, 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 is there manipulation? Yes, there is. I just want to clarify that. Oh, okay, okay. So what you're saying is that uh, they managed to keep a lid on it, perhaps? Um, Over time, well, the Fed. I don't. I don't believe the Fed is directly manipulating the, yeah. the gold market. I, I. I think there's various players who have done that. I mean, you know, there have been fines and other things levied. I, I just don't believe that the manipulation is all in one direction. I don't believe that there's this massive conspiracy that others believe out right. there to suppress the price of gold. But, well, but, but, but along those lines and along the lines of, of, of what Dave said, uh, uh, I, I, I think when, you know, when, when the panic comes, you know, where, uh, and I agree with Dave that, that, you know, where is that money going to go to? Where are the price pressures going to be the, the, the next time? I think gold is the beneficiary of that. That's just a theory of mine. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I can't prove it. But um, uh, let's sort this through here, and, 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 and let's assume that Dave and I are right, that, 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 that there is this panic coming, that, that we've got an overabundance of these productive assets, that, that, that China is going to slow, that the U.S. is going to slow. Let's assume, I, I think, as a repercussion of that, that jobs are going to be lost. So uh, I just don't buy this notion that, that prices in general are just going to start soaring. Uh, yeah. uh, I would agree with David that, that junk bonds are, are, are absolutely going to be, be crucified. Why? Because we're going to start seeing some more defaults in junk bonds. You know, yeah. all this leverage that poured in there is going, is, is going to come out. You know, they're actually the way to accurately phrase it is there going to be a repricing of 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 all those risk assets one of which is gold i think and the gold is going to go up the risk assets are going to go down and, and unless prices are going to, to the moon i just don't see this catalyst for uh uh u.s treasuries to yields on u.s treasuries to go soaring i, okay. I just don't yeah i i would add there that i think what's totally different this time is that the inflation has been in the financial asset markets, yeah. not the market for labor and goods. And mm-hmm. it's been worldwide as a result of the common action of all the central banks of the world. And that has led to a massive financialization of the world economy, a, a drastic uh, underpricing uh, of capital, and therefore an enormous flow into everything, uh, you know, from bulk carriers to... Uh, cement plants and empty cities in China. That's different than all the historical analogies. The big inflations or hyperinflations we've had historically have been basically in one country, Germany in the early 1920s. But what happened was uh, people lost confidence in that economy and that central bank, and uh, they had huge external debt uh, in dollars and uh, sterling and so forth. And that was uh, uh, kind of a hyperinflation in one country, and the same is true with modern times Argentina and any of the other examples you want to bring up. So All right, unfortunately, yeah. I, unfor- unfortunately, David, my engineer is telling me we're out of time. Uh, <laughs> so much more to talk 
about I'm sorry. Uh, I hope to have both of you back sometime in the near future if that's possible. So thank you both, uh, Ms. Shedlack and David Stockman, for being with us today. Folks, uh, we do have more coming, though. Uh, go to jtaylormedia.com. There I will be talking to Daniel McAdams of the Ron Paul uh, Institute for Peace and Prosperity. We'll be talking about the Ukraine and other issues there. And also David Jensen, uh, former mining executive and engineer. Uh, he'll be talking to us about geopolitics and how they relate to the precious metals markets. So go immediately to jtaylormedia.com, hit the podcast button, and I'll see you there. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Caden Resources is an advanced gold mining exploration company with two exceptional gold projects in Mexico. The company's flagship El Barqueño project represents the most valuable opportunity that an exploration company can have, which is the continuous discovery of high-grade gold from surface in arguably the best mining jurisdiction in Mexico. The company's second project, Morelos Sur, has one of the most talked-about land positions in the heart of Mexico's largest producing gold belt. 